Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, part two of our chat with Arlene Phillips. If you haven't heard part one, that's on the feed. I highly recommend it. Here you go. And so what were your what was your role at Ridley's house? You were a kind of were you babysitting housekeeper well, what was it? Yeah, he had Jake his now very very grown up oldest. I would babysit. Yeah. I would you know clean and tidy the kitchen. Amazing. And do you know something? Ridley's house was so perfect. It was in East Sheen and I'd never been in a house like it. Like every cupboard all the cleaning all the cleaning stuff was in heights, clean lines, everything was painted white, all the cups, wow. all the glasses, everything was white, or all the glasses were in perfect lines, all the magazines that were on a table were, you know, it was, it, for me, it was oh this, you know, it was a dream. It's why I've been a minimalist ever since, because <laughs> for me, I lived in my dream home. This is how people's lives are, not with a bit of this and a bit of that, and a, you know, all formally <laughs> created as a home. And it, it stayed with me my entire life. But eventually I started teaching and moved out and had you know, a life of my own and developing my own classes. And Ridley asked me, because I dance, to choreograph a little commercial for him. That's amazing. I know. And that commercial Starring. was a lion's made, lion's made ice cream. And it had, he said, oh, it's easy. It had the dancing cow, a farmer and a milkmaid. And the milkmaid was Miriam Margulies for <laughs> lion's made ice cream. <laughs> Wow. And what was it? So what was Miriam like at that time? The was same. The, the same. extravagant person she is now? Pushy, foul-mouthed, just just <laughs> the same, but younger and really? smaller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's hysterical. <laughs> and was she, was she a known entity at that point or was she just happened no, to be the no, girl? No, no, no. She thing? just had to, she was a great milkmaid, you know. Yeah. I think she, yeah, it was obviously Ridley that had found her. God, I mean, incredible. And so tell me how it evolved to Hot Gossip coming about, because it is not an exaggeration to say Hot Gossip is kind of the genesis for anyone who is listening 
for why dancers do what they do now, right? I mean, it was so radical what hot yeah. gossip did that, that gets so sort of absorbed into mainstream culture that you don't even realise that mm -hmm. it, it was pivotal at the time. But tell me a bit about that time. And, and, and wasn't there, am I right in saying that the shocking thing, one of the shocking things about hot gossip, aside from the sexiness, is that they looked down the lens. Is that true yes. when, they're, when oh, you're on yeah. television? Yeah, it was all single camera and the camera would start, you know, and ride up their bodies to their faces and hold on their, to their faces, which was all planned. I started doing commercials for Ridley. I went from that tiny one to massive, massive Dr Pepper ones at Elstree Studio. Wow. But that started my career as a choreographer. Mm -hmm. And as a teacher, I had the best students in my class, but they were all not your typical British working dancer. You know, I had a lot of now global majority in my class who weren't getting jobs because there were no jobs mm. for them. And the dancers were different. They were different shapes, different sizes, different physicalities. So we bonded together. And as I was teaching, I realised I had enough money to start to put together a dance group because life on TV was very five, six, seven, click, smile, kick, mm -hmm. beautiful, tall, blondes. But outside of that world, I was finding, you know, vintage markets and wearing all kinds of different clothes and sexy clothes and clubs were starting and there was a life outside that did not relate to a life on television. And I wow. wanted to adopt that and find ways of moving that was brave and sexy and you could touch and feel bodies fearlessly because that is dancing from the heart and the soul that is life so i started putting my group together and i called them hot gossip because i wanted everyone to talk about them and i thought they would <laughs> i thought this is going to be so great and the costumes were derived from well the fact that i didn't have a lot of money to spend so i bought lingerie and dyed it in every different color so it looked like you had <laughs> lots of different costumes and one of our um, boys roy gale worked in a sex shop in the evenings so that he could do my classes throughout the day and we got a lot Great. of you know plastic and leathers and all shapes <laughs> and sizes and whips and so i put together a cabaret with hot gossip and we were asked to go and entertain at a club called Monkberries on German Street, which was the club where the models, the film stars, anybody who was anybody gathered in this little club. And we had a small end floor and put on a very, very sexy show. So I started asking, trying to get in touch with TV producers and directors, asking them to come and see the show. But they all said, too sexy for TV, you couldn't put this on television, and walked away from it. And then one day, um, there was a magazine called Ritz Magazine, mm. and we had a photograph, we had a photograph taken, and Ritz put a full page in and just said, Monkbury's Wednesday night. And David Mallet, 
who is a, a, one, an amazing, amazing director, um, TV director, saw the photograph and he was just about to do a new TV show called The Kenny Everett Video Show. And he saw this photograph and he screamed to his PA, get me Arlene Phillips, get me Hot Gossip, they're going to be on this TV show. What he didn't wow. know is that over the summer period, I had said to them all, you know what, it's a really it's a really hard sell. So, you know, if you get jobs, go out and audition. They were all so faithful to the group because they wanted it to happen. You know, I just thought we can't just live off one night a week and I'm sharing out the, the cash that we got. You know, <laughs> it can't happen. Yeah. And... From that moment when we did our first Kenny Everett show, again, the Houses of Parliament come into it because the show was a revelation. We had a whole day to film a dance number. It was very, very sexy. And we were spoken about um, by Mary Whitehouse, the so-called self proclaimed protector of public morals at the time. Wow. And she was outraged that this could be on television early evening and it was going to destroy young people's lives to see these girls in stocking and suspenders and these boys touching each other. And she was outraged. And we made the front page of every single newspaper. And that, wow. my life changed in an extraordinary way from that moment on. And did you love that? Did you love the mischief? Did you love the um, transgression of that? You know what I was? I was so excited, most of all, by acceptance. By acceptance. Uh. It, may have, it may have caused outrage. I did not, at the time, realise how revolutionary it was until I saw that every group that followed Hot Gossip had something of Hot Gossip in them. And that actually, mm. if people look back, they will see the massive impact it actually had. You know, all the mm. sunny, sunshine, smiling dancer shows gradually diminished as groups became stronger and, and more outrageous and dance became, uh, took on a different form mm. on television. I'm interested about from then to now as well, like one of my jobs has been directing music videos and I'll go to the rehearsal spaces and we'll do the dance stuff. It's one aspect of the job I love. It's such an inclusive world. That's what I think is amazing. It's like this bubble. And to visit it, if you've never visited it, you sort of can't believe it's real. Because yeah. it does feel like uni the atmosphere is quite like university slash school. They're always in slightly funny buildings. And it feels like art school. But your gender identity, your LGBTness, your whatever, is just not even a discussion. You know, it feels so like your thrilled life could be. But I also am aware on the other side that it's also a very tough place. How have you seen the changes or have you seen changes in, in that? I think I've seen massive changes, but, you know, it's taken a really long time. If I look at it, it's really very, very recent because after 
hot gossip and, you know, I can only say, honestly say the world was my oyster. It was 1979. I was asked to choreograph a very gay-centric movie called Can't Stop the Music. And it was with... Village the people. Village people. And Bruce Jenner, as was. Um, oh. And it was unbelievable. I was flown by Alan Carr, the producer, everywhere in private jets. Whoa. I could not have had more worship and I was pregnant at the time when I was making the film that had happened not long before the film and I had signed my film contract and Alan said, don't worry, we'll have a guru at your side to keep you calm. But it was also a massive change in my life because not only did I have a two-week hiatus to have my baby <laughs> in the middle of it, all, all kind of there, but... Something very dramatic and very dark happened over that time, starting with our writer, Bronte Woodard. But our writer, mm. Bronte Woodard, got sick and we didn't know why mm -hmm. and we didn't know what it yeah. was. In 79, this was an unknown disease that he was hospitalised and his body was changing. And then we, we went into this terrible time of this happening. It was mm. not called AIDS. It wasn't. It didn't. Mm -hmm. It was disguised as everything but. And mm -hmm. I had friends, close friends from the film that started getting really sick. I had mm -hmm. a lot of, like one particularly close friend, challenged me to go to his house and eat soup with him. Mm -hmm. And I said, why are you, why is eating soup? with you so important and he said because I don't think you will and I said why won't I he said well everyone thinks that you know I've got a disease and that's how he told me and everyone thinks that it mm -hmm. will transfer to the soup so my life changed in the most extraordinary way because wow. I I knew the world had changed I knew this mm. was something that was happening that I became, you know, I, I became the Jill, you know. Mm -hmm. I was then immediately after, came back to England. My friends had started to get sick. One of my bisexual, mostly gay lovers, who I was one of the biggest lovers of my life, started to get sick. Mm -hmm. And my mind any couldn't any longer sort of focus on the work. I did the work. And this was going on right through to 1984 when I was doing Starlight Express in London, when I then mm. went to New York with um, put on the show and people there were getting sick. And then in Germany and and every piece of work Everything I did was tinged with flying somewhere to see somebody. And I can't even describe the world I lived in or what I could do or how I could help. And I was surrounded mm. with so many people I loved mm. that passed away. Um, so work became, I had my 
beautiful daughter growing up, but work became something other, something that almost now I think back to it, which half of it was the dream or the nightmare. And and so sort of life was, all the work was happening while there was something else going on. Yeah. And I think it really changed my, my, my life. It changed my life being the understanding of what humanity is and what humanity isn't. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And fear, you were there, I wasn't. But I feel like COVID has contextualised for me what it might have felt like but imagine COVID with no daily update on the news telling everyone you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Actually, imagine that with gossip about, you know, these people are broken and they're spreading it and they're dangerous mm-hmm. and avoid them. And, you know, just yeah. no help, you know, people left to die. Yeah, it is beyond belief. And you're right. And the thing is fear and that fear was being tested. It was being tested mm. with, by, by one of my dearest, closest um, friends. Um, uh, and it, often it had to do with food. Would I eat the strawberries when I went to visit? And it's a very, really? it's a very strange thing. And there was, you know, there was that feeling of testing. During this time, as you just mentioned, you were working with these scions of gay culture who obviously were... Had their own people around them. Freddie Mercury said a beautiful thing to you, like, and I feel like you learned a lot from him, or or inspired by him. Didn't he say, you know, like, just dare to dream or something wonderful? Yeah, everything about Freddie was, you had to be extraordinary. You couldn't really? ever do anything that anybody else would do. It had to be bigger and bolder and braver <laughs> and more open and more you know, twisted and unusual. And and the interesting thing with Freddie is every video that I made with him, he wanted to be there. He wanted to be involved. He wanted wow. to be part of the creation of what you're doing. And he was just so wonderful and the parties were wonderful and the wild, adventurous nature of somebody. And when you think that at the time... And gradually living in that darkness because Freddie had no fear, but somewhere it happened. And you think Mm. of 
how cruel and sad the the mm. disease really is because it affects you mentally, physically, and and people feel damned and were made to feel damned. And how mm. how can anyone who's ever done that live with themselves? Yeah. And did he ever talk about that kind of stuff? No, 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 no. He he talked about adventure and right and wrong and and yeah. fun and excitement and a bedroom full of mirrors and <laughs> you know just so so dazzling, a dazzling part of my life. And wow. And interestingly, um, in terms of work, unlike Elton John. Elton John, I'll turn up on the day and show me what to do. You know, that was it. Right. No interest in thinking about what he was being asked to do. He would just turn up on the day. If he liked it, he'd do it. If he didn't, he had no interest. And it was such a contrast <laughs> working with these, you know, talk about the queens of England. They really are, you know, yeah. Freddie and um, Elton. My goodness. I think I've almost ev ha uh, done something with every female diva on, you know, on the planet. I know. <laughs> so Listen, you know, Whitney Houston, she's such a massive part of my heart. I think I think about her most days. What on earth was that like to work with her? And it's so interesting because I did her first music video. She had just had her one massive hit. And then she came to London to make How Will I Know? Yes. A great, I mean, you can't not dance to it. So good. And she was very shy. She came with Robin and she stuck with Robin in the Winnebago with Robin with the most perfect lip sync I have ever, ever seen. <laughs> and she was you know, really serious before she switched on to do the moves. And I walked through what she'd have to do. And what she told me is she didn't like her feet. She had oh. very long, slender feet. I think they were size nine US. So that, you know, is something like a, a seven and a half. And so she wanted to be sure that when she walked through these kind of paper walls we had when she walked through that I kept the angle, you know, the angle of the camera that we saw her that way and not side on because she was conscious right. of her feet. But she, she, it's like she had a light inside her, a glowing light wow. and just such a star. Amazing. And was she a grafter? Oh, total. Again and again and really? again. Absolutely. Till she got it right. And very serious in London. And then, I don't know, four months later, I went to New York to do I Want to Dance with Somebody. It was wow. such a di different Whitney. She was very, like, held back in terms of movement in London. Mm -hmm. Now, in New York, she'd gained this massive confidence. And she wow. wanted to dance. She wanted to dance with the boys. She wanted to... Full change of costumes. Just she was a light. She was fiery. She was loving what she was doing, and uh, oh my god, so joyous! It was electric. One of my first memories is watching that exact video 
for I Want to Dance with Somebody through the stairs because I'd crept downstairs and my parents were watching it on <laughs> Double the Pops, I suppose. But yeah. I wasn't allowed to be, I was supposed to be in bed. So I watched yeah. it and all those colours, like anyone listening who hasn't seen it, I doubt there is anyone who hasn't. But if you haven't, just Google it. And um, she was electric and you brought that out of her, I suppose. It was amazing. Whatever I gave her, she wanted to do. And and you have, you know, you've worked with all these iconic people. How have you kept your sanity and stayed on the straight and narrow, if you have, yourself throughout all these experiences? I think when you start to get somewhere, when you were that not have and you become a have, mm. I think you appreciate every second of it and therefore mm-hmm. you you stay balanced you take the mm-hmm. ups and downs sometimes things aren't perfect and you you give i always give myself a certain amount of time to freak out before i go <laughs> i love that there's nothing i can do to change this so scream kick cry sob just get over it Pack it away somewhere back here. Live with it. One day you yeah. can look at it all, but just get on with your life. And I think it's a wow. lesson when I go into schools to lecture and people say, I want to be this. I want to be in musical theatre. I want to be in film. And I say, firstly, if you can't live without it, then pursue it. Secondly, start to think about a life of rejection because you will face mm. rejection time and time again. And if you can't deal with it, it will destroy you. I think people think it's easier than it is, oh, you know. So it's I, not easy. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not it, easy. You make it look easy. No, I think you make so it look you... easy, Arlene. This is the problem. <laughs> Let's talk about what's next because you've got House of Flamenco, right? And this oh, is. Oh yeah, guys and dolls at the bridge. You have to see immersive guys and dolls. It is yes. five stars and bombing it and. Greece, I've got, you know, yeah, busy, busy. When do you sleep, Arlene? Oh, I sleep. <laughs> I sleep at night. Not, not for long, but I sleep. <laughs> I get a good hour in and then I'm off again. <laughs> yeah. I loved that chat. Thank you to Arlene for taking the time to talk to us for all those amazing stories. Very poignant, very touching. I love her. Now, hello at homosapienspodcast.com. Tell us what you thought. At homosapiens on Instagram, tell us what you thought. Do send us all of your messages. We love to read them all. Until next time, dear listeners, I'm going to go and eat some crumble. Bye-bye. Spirit Studios.